Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and then we're going to go over to Luke 24. All of uh, the kids are going to stay up here this morning with us. Uh, we usually do this every Easter so that they can hear the wonderful news, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that the teachers would uh, explain that as well, but today we're just going to be uh, all together and uh, worship the Lord and just uh, listen to the Word together. And uh, I know that in years past, all the kids have been extremely well behaved, and I know that they will do that uh, again today. If we have smaller ones that need a little bit of help, uh, and the, the little ones who can don't fully understand what's happening and why they have to be quiet, we do have a nursery back there. You can take them there. Uh, if you're around the age of 20, uh, you shouldn't be going there. Uh, <laughs> for all the teens and the younger ones, you know, you, you hang with us right now. And, um, but if, uh, Philippians, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and today I want to talk to you about resurrection power. Resurrection power. The Bible says this in Philippians 3 and verse 10. Paul writes and says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I'm going to stop reading right there. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Paul said in Philippians that he desired, he wanted to know Jesus in the power of His resurrection. The question is, what did He really mean by that statement? And I think for, in order for us to understand this just a little bit better, we need to go back to some of the events following the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we can take a good look and really understand a little bit of what Paul was talking about. While we could look at the resurrection itself to better gain an understanding of this statement. I want us to see the effects or the results of the power of His resurrection. Because that truly calls into play and into our minds what it is that is, can be accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One, somebody recently uh, wrote a book, I'm not sure how long it's been out, but uh, it's, it's very good, and it's called Raised with Christ, and it's all about the resurrection. And the premise of the book is essentially that we don't often talk about the resurrection until we get to Easter. And he made a good point, and, and uh, in his book he brings out the fact that many writers in the New Testament, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when they speak about the death of Jesus on the cross and how Jesus died on the cross for our sins, they are also implying that with that, it is a package deal, you could say. That with the death of Jesus on the cross, we have to imply the resurrection. Because how many know that without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus means absolutely nothing? In fact, Paul goes on, and we're not going to get into this today, but Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, and he talks about the fact 
that without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus, your faith in this system of beliefs is absolutely futile and vain. It's without hope. You have to have a resurrection. You could say that all of Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, you do not have hope. With the resurrection, we have a hope that goes beyond our 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we might have on this earth. We have a hope today, thank God, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the power of His resurrection gives proof of power in three other areas. I want you to go now to the book of Luke 24. The book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke 24, and because of the resurrection, we understand and have the power of the Word of God. The Word of God has life because there was a a resurrection. Say, but wait a minute, do you mean this book? I don't just mean this book, I mean the Word, because the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1, who is John talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is known as the Word. So therefore, we know that the Word comes alive in our hearts when we read this book because the Word, the living Word, has been raised to life. So the Word of God has incredible and great power. In Luke chapter 24, and let's read uh, starting at verse 13, and we're going to go down a ways in this uh, passage of Scripture. Luke 13, 24 and verses 13, all the way down through to verse 31. The Bible says this, Now that same day, that is the day Jesus was raised from the dead, two of them who were other disciples, they were disciples, followers of Jesus, but not the immediate twelve disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. That word actually means gloomy, very gloomy, very sad. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you, the only, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. 
They went to the tomb early this morning. Now listen to that. These guys had already gotten the word about an empty tomb, but they're still sad. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. Now here it is, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village which they were going, to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he would go, was going a little farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then, the Bible says, verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Now I want you to jump down to verse 40. 41. The Bible says this. It says, when he had said this, verse 40, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and gave it and took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, verse 44, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Brothers and sisters, I want you to see from this that both while Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and after he had vanished from those two disciples' sites and then reappeared to all the disciples as they had gathered together, there are two things that he said. And it was this, don't you understand what the Scriptures said about the Messiah. And the Bible says that he began to explain to them from the Word what the Word had to say about the Messiah. Brothers and sisters, what gives this book voice? What gives this book power? What gives the words written on these pages the mighty power to come in and change a person's life is not how loud I am today. It's not how loud or how quiet somebody is when they get when they're talking about the word. It is the word of God has great power because there is resurrection power that is behind the word. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection gives power to the Word of Almighty God. The Word of God has great power. It has, we, we are given, the Bible says, power to understand the Word. Jesus, the Bible says, explain that to the disciples in verse 44. And then the Bible says in verse 45 that He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He said to them, this is what I told you. 
And then he opened up their minds so that they could understand the Word of God. I want you to know the very youngest child in this room can understand this book. The very oldest can understand what is here. I know we fall upon passages that are difficult. I know we fall upon things that puzzle us. But I want you to know the very basics of Christianity, the very basics of what it is that we need to believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth for no other reason than to die on the cross for our sins and to be raised again on the third day to newness of life so that we could have newness of life. I want you to know that the Word of God can be understood because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can hear the Word and you can understand the Word and the Word can take root in your heart and cause there to be a change in your life. I know a lot of times we look to people to bring about a change. I don't know how many times over the years I've had somebody call me and say, will you just call this individual? Maybe call that person. Maybe call this person. Talk to them. See if you can't have some kind of an impact upon their lives. And i got to tell you, one of the most hopeless things for a pastor to do is pick up the phone and call somebody. Unless he's armed and equipped with the Word. And even then, there are times where people will not listen. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, you don't necessarily need me to pick up the phone and call somebody and talk to them. If you know the Word and you've got the Word on the inside and it has that resurrection power behind it, I want you to know that you can deliver the Word of God to somebody who's hopeless and that Word can change somebody's life because Jesus is alive. The Word brings life because He is a living Savior. He'll open your minds to understand the Scripture. If you've ever fallen upon a passage of Scripture, that you sit there and you scratch your head and you look at it and you, you, know, you go a little cross-eyed trying to figure it out and it's bothering you and it's bugging you, I want you to know, can I just tell you that for a while, what you need to do is you need to just drop that passage for a minute and you need to get into some other area of the Scripture because eventually here's what's going to happen. And we learned this. This was so basic in Bible college for us when it came to interpreting the Scripture. Our professors drilled it into our heads and I have found it to be true over the years that Scripture interprets Scripture. Say it with me. Scripture interprets Scripture. When you go to one passage and you can't figure it out, you just keep reading and you go to elsewhere in the Scripture and all of a sudden you have that aha moment where God comes down by His Spirit and the living Christ begins to work in you and He shows you, oh, that's what that one meant. That's what that meant. Brothers and sisters, He doesn't want you to be in the dark. He wants to open your minds to understand the Scriptures. We have the power of the Word because of the resurrection. He gives us the power to understand. But more than that, understanding is wonderful. But if you understand it but then don't believe it, you will fall mighty, mighty short of the grace and the mercy of God. The Bible says this, and we read it in verse, uh, verse actually we didn't read it in verse 32 of Luke 24. The Bible says this, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us 
We sang that this morning. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. My soul does burn. My soul burns within me. Were not our hearts burning within us while He talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? I want you to know that the Holy Spirit will come through the resurrection power of the Word of God and begin to open your mind and your heart to understand the Word of God so that you can believe it. Listen, it isn't for anybody to understand today and walk out of this room without having believed. It is for you to understand and believe. I want you to know today that belief is the basis of Christianity for all of us that we trust and we believe. Now listen, the resurrection is rooted in history. It is rooted in, in facts. It is rooted in all of these things. There are things that we look to. We don't, we don't believe blindly as some people tend to think. No, this is, this is wide open for everyone to look at, assess, and some of the greatest minds of thinkers have looked at it and have assessed it and said we cannot deny that there was a resurrection of Jesus Christ. We cannot deny it. We can't do it because the Bible is very clear and it's open and history tells us that there is an empty tomb. But brothers and sisters, if you walk out of this room today with just an understanding of the Word of God, then I want you to know today that you are falling miserably short of where you need to be because the Bible lets us know that we must trust and we must believe on Him who came to this world to give His life as a ransom for you and for me. Jesus died on the cross. It's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to think it. It's not enough just to understand it. But what is important and vitally important for every person is to believe it. It is to wrap your heart around it and say, I'm going to trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for my sins. I want you to know today there is no sin that is too great. There is no sin that, is, that has taken you so low that God cannot, through faith in Him, resurrect you and bring you up to a newness of life. There is no person that has gone so far that God looks at them and says, I've had enough of you. I am done with you. No, you've got to know today. He is not finished with you. The resurrection lets me know that He's not done with humanity, that He's got a great plan and a purpose for your life, but you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. You say, but wait a minute, it's, it sounds too simple. You know, don't I have to do something? Don't I have to earn God's favor somehow? No, there is absolutely nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. There isn't anybody in this room that can impress God. Nobody. You're dressed so nicely today. It's so wonderful. I feel a little underdressed without my tie that all of you know I never wear. But, you know, we, you can, you, but as nicely as you're dressed, how we dress on Easter doesn't even impress God. There isn't any kind of goodness that you can work up within yourself that will make God pay attention to you. Nothing. It is by faith that you are saved through grace and it's not of yourselves, Paul writes. It is a gift of God. There isn't anything you can do. You say, but pastor, you don't know the things that I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
It doesn't matter what you've done as long as you come to Him in faith and say, Lord, I want the power to believe. There's a burning that's going on on the inside of your heart. There's something that's happening on the inside of your life right now and you're saying, yes, there is something resonating in this that I've got to agree with and I've got to believe. I want you to know today that if you will give your all to Him and you will trust Him with all your heart, He will save you and He will give you a peace like you have never known. He gives us the power to live by His Word. The Word of God will help you to live. You see, we come to Him in faith, but then after that, His Word is going to be, as the psalmist said, a light to my feet and a lamp to my pathway. It's going to help you to live the way that you need to live before Him. The resurrection has given the Word of God power in your life to help you to live above the world. You don't have to say yes to the same kind of kind of garbage you used to say yes to. You don't have to go back to the drugs. You don't have to go back to the same crowd. You don't have to go back to the same old habits. But instead, God can give you a new life. He can give you a new hope and help you to live above the world. The power of His resurrection is also the power of His presence. And this power brings peace. Listen to this. Verse 36 of Luke 24, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, they were really startled. All of a sudden, they all know they're there. It happened to me twice yesterday where I was in a room in the house And Riley was like coming right around the corner and didn't know I was there. Twice yesterday, two times, I scared the living daylights out of her. She came around the corner and went, ah, I'm right there, you know. I don't know if the disciples had that reaction, but all of a sudden, Jesus was in the room. Ah, where'd he come from? And the Bible says they were startled. They thought he was a ghost. This thing with the ghost, I I don't understand. They've already seen an empty tomb. Not there. The grave clothes are laid aside. They're sitting there in the tomb. They've communicated it to everybody, but they all think he's a ghost. But all of a sudden he appears. But I want you to know that in his appearance, listen to what the resurrection gives us. It gives us something that we all need. And Jesus said it in his greeting to the disciples. Verse 36 of Luke 24, while they were still talking about Jesus, about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I want you to know that the power of his presence is because of the resurrection, brothers and sisters, it will bring peace to your life. Say, you don't understand the hectic life that I live. You don't understand the things that I, you know, I go through. On a daily basis, you don't really understand, Pastor, how, how crazy things are. But I want you to know that Jesus can bring peace to your life because He's alive. He is living. His presence can be with you to give you the peace that you need to know that will help you through every adversity, every problem, every difficulty. How would they carry a message to a lost and a dying world? They would carry it because they had the peace of God that passes all understanding. When Paul and Silas would be thrown into that Philippian jail, it was the peace of God that helped them in the middle of 
their situation to instead of panicking and wondering if anybody really knows they're there and cares about this one who knows you're there and they just in peace they began to sing to the Lord I don't know what they sang but whatever they sang was earth shaking and the, the jail began to shake from one side to the other. Why? Because the peace of God was going to come down, give them the peace they needed, but, but something was going to happen around them that would release them in their moment of difficulty. I want you to know, don't worry about your circumstances. Let the peace of God come to your heart, and He will help you, He'll guide you, and He'll give you what you need. This power brings reassurance. It brings reassurance in two areas. And I'm not going to take the time to reread those scriptures, but verses 37 through 43, it gives us this idea. We didn't read some of these verses, but some we did. But I want you to know that the power of the resurrection brings a power of reassurance that it is Him who's really with us. That He's the one who's there. He said to them, verse 38, I'll read this. Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It's I myself. He gave them the reassurance because he knows that we cannot live the Christian life without it. Brothers and sisters, we need a reassurance in our lives that he is always with us. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He will never bail out on you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not, he does not change. He does not leave when your life gets crazy and when problems become too much. But the resurrection indicates he will always be there. Always. He gives reassurance that he is with you. And he gives a reassurance that his word is true. His disciples wouldn't get this right away, but eventually they would realize that His Word was the truth. When they caught hold of that truth and that reassurance, they changed the world that they lived in. I wonder what would happen today if all of us in this building would get a hold of the reassurance that God can give to us. What kind of a change we can make in the world that we live in. Brothers and sisters, God has called you for a purpose. He didn't call you just to take up space in a pew on an Easter Sunday morning. He didn't do that for that purpose. That's not why He called you. I'm glad you're here, by the way. But I want you to know that there's so much more to what it is that God has for us if we will allow the work of God to work within us and give us the reassurance that when we go to a job where there doesn't seem to be any other believers around us, that we can stand for what's right. We can be the man or the woman of God. That when our kids walk into their schools and they've got everybody else around them doing whatever it is that they they want to do they can stand for what's right brothers and sisters this comes from a reassurance that he is with us there is one final thing that the power of the resurrection will do and it gives us an understanding of the power of his spirit the power of his spirit I didn't read these verses of scripture and I'm not going to take the time to read them but in Luke 24 verses 47 through 53, Jesus assures his disciples of this. Look at verse 49. Let me just read that. He says this, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. 
but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He is going to give the power of His Spirit. You see, because He raised, was raised to life, And he told his disciples, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another comforter to you. I'm going to send one to you who is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He is going to help you, and he is going to be the one who is called alongside of you. More often than not, when you begin to read in the book of Acts, I love the book of Acts, because you know the wonderful thing about the book of Acts is it doesn't have an ending. There's no amen to it. There's no... You know, and I, Luke says, I leave you these greetings from this person, this person, this person. It just ends abruptly. As if to say, God's got more that He's got to do in and through His people. That is the power of the Spirit. You say, the power of the Spirit in my life is not what it ought to be. I feel weak at times. I feel like I can't go on. I can't be all that I need to be, but you need to understand what the Spirit of God will do for you. He is an enabling Spirit. The power that comes from the Spirit of God is an enabling power. He will give you the power you need to be able to carry out the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what those disciples were feeling or thinking. I would love to have been there. I would love to have felt for a moment what they felt on that day where Jesus ascended into heaven. They're standing there on the mount, and all of a sudden Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He tells them, I'm going to send the the Holy Spirit upon you. You're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria. And then all of a sudden Jesus just starts to rise. He starts to go. But there's no sign yet that the Holy Spirit is coming. He's just said it. And we know how the disciples were with what Jesus said. They didn't quite get it the first time, the second time, the third time, and all those other times that he kept telling them, got to suffer, got to die, got to be raised to life. They didn't quite get it. Now all of a sudden, not, not only has he said these wonderful things, but now he's leaving. And he's ascending into heaven. You imagine standing there. Just close your eyes for a minute. Close your eyes. Put yourself on the mountain. Don't worry about how Jesus looks. We don't know how he looks, okay? Whoever made that picture of him, don't worry about that. That's an artist's conception. We don't know. We don't have a picture. Just imagine you're standing there with Jesus. Keep, you got your eyes closed? Good. Imagine you're there with the disciples. There were more that were there. And all of a sudden, Jesus has said something. And now... All of a sudden, Jesus starts to ascend into heaven. I don't know. You can open your eyes now. I don't know if Peter or somebody wanted to lunge forward and grab his feet and take it back down here. But he said, I cannot send the comforter. I can't send the one who's coming after me unless I go away. I've got to go away. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. What do they do? They had to wait an extra 10 days for that to happen. The Passover had happened. Now they've got to wait till the Feast of Pentecost. They don't know what's coming. They don't know what's going to happen. But they wait and they all go to an upper room because they think, what in the world's going to happen to us? We don't know. We're fearful. 
fearful. We're not sure that we can handle this. And they're actually following the plan of Jesus. Jesus said, stay in the city until you have been endued with power from on high. Okay. They go to the city. They're waiting and they're waiting. And the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, they weren't expecting anything. But the Bible says they were praying. And they kept on praying. And all of a sudden, something happened. Acts chapter 2. All of a sudden, there began to be this wind. But a wind, they're inside. There's not no wind outside, but there's a sound like a wind. And something begins to happen and come down. And what happens is the promised power comes. And all of a sudden, brothers and sisters, their lives are changed forever. Listen, without a resurrection, we don't have a Holy Spirit descending onto the, on the day of Pentecost. Without the resurrection, we don't have the hope of the Holy Spirit living and working in us and using us for His glory. But I want you to know there is a resurrection of the dead. There is an empty tomb. There is nobody in the tomb of Jesus. He was raised to life. The grave clothes were set aside. The stone, the Bible says, says was rolled away one one writer of of the gospels actually uses a greek word that indicates that it was rolled up and inclined this stone weighed tons it was not something the women who came to the tomb could have done so and even in all of that all of the disciples were in shock and yet brothers and sisters because there is a resurrection we have resurrection power. We have a power that can enable us to change the world. A power that can enable us to reach out to a lost and a dying high school. The power to reach out to a lost and a dying job. A power to be able to reach out in the midst of a world that is going to hell in a handbasket. But I want you to know the power is the same power that raised Jesus to life. And the Bible says it is the power that works in you and in me. Let's stand to our feet right now and give God praise. Lift your voices and give God praise right now.